today is the third and final um, installment, I guess, if you will, of the sermon series that I started a couple weeks ago of um, hashtag no filter, right? And we've kind of been talking about what that means. We've been talking about how, you know, in society today, when we take pictures on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, we put filters on all of our photos to, to edit them to make them look different than they really are. Um, whether it's to make them look better, whether it's to hide something we don't like, or whether we just think it's cool to, you know, on Snapchat to have like bunny ears and a bunny nose, right? Because we think it's funny. Whatever that looks like or whatever we do that for, um, we, we put filters on all of our photos and they end up kind of looking totally different than the original image or the original thing that you were trying to capture with your um, picture, right? Um, they make them look totally different. Even if it's just adding, like, uh, making it black and white. Um, and I told you guys from day one that I look better in black and white, so I try to edit all my photos to black and white. Um, because, you know, I just think I look better that way. Uh, so whatever that looks like for you, we tend to do that with our own photos. Um, just, uh, just, just this week or even the past two weeks, you know, if uh, you follow my wife or anything like that on social media, you know, she started selling these cakes that, you know, she's made forever. Um, and she finally decided, hey, you know what, maybe there's a market for them, I'll start selling them. Um, and then anytime she, she photographs like herself making them in videos and then, you know, she'll post them online and stuff like that. And uh, she always like adds, she always adds these filters and she's like, hey, which filter should I put on this? And I have to like scroll through 150. I'm like, oh, it looks fine. It looks great. It looks beautiful. It looks perfect. What do you need to put a filter on it for? And she's like, it just enhances the photo. It enhances the look of the cake, right? Like, I like to add this because it enhances the green of the key lime cake, right? It's like, okay, whatever. Um, but we, we do all of this to, 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 make things, to make things look perfect, right? That's what this is all about, is making it look perfect and appealing to everyone. And I get that. But unfortunately, we've kind of done that to, to Christianity as well. We've sort of added these, these filters to Christianity to make it more appealing to other people that may not necessarily be true. Or sometimes we even do it to ourselves. Uh, we, we've put these filters up on Christianity to make, ourselves feel to make ourselves feel better about what we do, right? Like, well, I don't necessarily, I don't really follow that part of, of what being a Christian is like, so I'm just going to pretend like that doesn't really exist, right? Because it makes me feel better about myself. Um, and, and we've kind of done this as a society as well, is, is we've built these filters up to make Christianity almost to be something that isn't really what it's supposed to be, to make it look totally different. Um, so my big push the, these last couple weeks has been going back and digging into what the Bible says about Christianity and what does authentic and real Christianity look like. Let's take off everything that society has put on Christianity and let's make it look like what the Bible has it look like. And do we do it the right way, right? In week one, we talked about um, the, the church. What, is the, what does the biblical church model look like? And we really peeled that back. We looked at a bunch of verses and, and we, we figured out what authentic church looks like. And then in week two, we talked about how are Christians supposed to interact with each other? Um, like Christian to Christian, like people within a church, and then Christian to non-Christian, Christian to non-believer. What is that supposed to look like, right? Because we have biblical models of that. And I've asked you these last two weeks to really take stock of what it is in your life that you may have had a filter up on Christianity, and maybe it doesn't look like the Bible says it's supposed to look like, right? Like we talked uh, last week about um, um, Christians, as a Christians, we're not supposed to judge each other. Right? And we're not supposed to judge non-believers. That's reserved for God and God alone. And I said, hey, take stock of that. 
you know, are, are, you, are you somebody who, who judges people and makes that final decision, makes that final conclusion or judgment about somebody when really that's not your place, right? Or maybe we don't follow into the, the motto of, you know, you're supposed to, to love your neighbors yourself or love your enemies, even though you're supposed to love your enemies too, right? Like, we don't do that a lot of times. So I ask you to take stock of those kind of things and say, hey, remove the filters from your life, whichever ones those are, because it could be different for everybody in this room. Um, so, so remove those from your life, and let's try to get back to what authentic Christianity um, is supposed to look like. And then this week, I really want to focus in on how Christians are su- supposed to treat themselves, right? Um, not like Christian to Christian, but like how are you supposed to treat yourself? How are you supposed to take care of yourself? Um, because, because that's actually a big deal. And I've kind of, I kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago or months ago now. I don't really know. Time tends to fly these days when I'm getting older, I guess. But self-care and, and how you treat yourself is actually a very important topic in society these days. And it's actually a very important topic in the Bible, too, if you really look deep enough. If you really kind of dig in and kind of understand what the Bible is trying to say, there's a lot of, of verses, there's a lot of examples, and, and the Bible paints a really good picture of what taking care of yourself looks like, taking care of your body looks like. So I really think it's important to, to dig into that today because society as, as a whole today, we've kind of put this filter up that says, hey, Christians are never supposed to struggle. Christians are always supposed to be happy. Christians are always supposed to, you know, be this happy-go-lucky person who is always like, okay, God's got it, you know, it's no big deal, right? Like, like we put that filter up that if you're a Christian and you don't act that way, then maybe you're not as big of a Christian as you thought you were, right? But in reality, that's not true. In reality, we have pictures all over the Bible of, of people being like disciples of, of Jesus, like super close to, to, to Jesus, struggling with that. And struggling with their self-image, struggling with being able to take care of themselves physically and mentally and emotionally, right? And I even have an example that we're going to talk about, about Jesus taking time out of his day to make sure he cared for himself. So there, there is this idea, like I said, that society has of Christians that if you're not this, you know, overly energetic, like, person or, you know, always doing something for the church, or always out in the community serving, or always doing something, you know, that, that we're a bad Christian. But that's not the case. And I want to kind of dig into that a little bit today and, and talk about self-care, because again, it's a big thing today. Um, huge thing today is taking care of yourself and your body. Um, self-care, the, the term itself, is essentially addressing the needs of your body physically, mentally, and emotionally, Right? Um, that's what the term self-care really means. It's taking care of yourself in those three areas because those are the three big areas of your life, right? Taking care of your body physically, making sure, you know, you can get up and walk around and move around and things like that. Um, emotionally, making sure you're emotionally stable, making sure, you know, your emotions are in check. And then mentally, um, we all have mental breakdowns all the time, right? Um, I, you know, mental breakdown when I had to go back to school on Monday after spring break. I was like, no, please don't. And I had an emotional breakdown too at the same time, I think. Um, And I guess it could be physically, too, because I didn't want to get out of bed either. So I had all three in one week this week. But self-care is important about addressing those three needs of your body because they're important. Self-care today, if you look at it and and you read any kind of articles about it or watch any kind of videos about it, basically it's it's about things like um, managing your stress level, um, uh, eating right, prioritizing your time, that sort of thing. 
Um, and actually, I read a uh, research article or watched a video this week talking about self-care and talking about, you know, what kinds of things do psych- psychiatrists or psychologists or doctors, what do they say are the most important things to do or strategies to take care of yourself? And these are the top four that um, this study came up with. The first one uh, was eating healthier, right? We've got that. Eating healthier was number one. Number two is working out regularly. Number three is reducing stress. And then number four is prioritizing your time. Of the study that I I talked about, every self-care article has some combination of the following. They say, hey, in order to take care of yourself, you have to do these four things. And it may not necessarily be in this order, um, but these are the four things that you have to make sure that you're taking care of in order to take care of yourself. Um, Because eating healthier takes care of you physically. Working out regularly takes care of you physically. Reducing stress kind of helps your mental and emotional, and so it's prioritizing your time. And they all kind of work together, right? So no matter what kind of article you read or whatever psychiatrist or psychologist or doctor you go to, most of them will have some combination of these four things. The biggest of these four things, according to research, is actually number three, which is reducing your stress. That is the number one cause of people not being able to take care of themselves is because they don't reduce their stress, okay? Um, and, And that sounds all well and good if a doctor is telling you, hey, you need to reduce your stress, okay? But, like, how? How do I do that? That's, that's great and all, but I, how, how am I supposed to reduce my stress when I have a conflict at work? How am I supposed to reduce my stress when I have, like, a marriage issue going on? How, 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 great, you're telling me to reduce it, but how do I do that, right? Like, how am I supposed to deal with, like, personal sin? Like, how, how do I just get rid of that and reduce that? Well, thankfully we have a few suggestions from the same researchers, all right? So here are five things, and there was a list of like 70, I just picked five. These are five things that researchers said you can participate in to help you reduce stress. All right, here we go. Number one, blow bubbles. Number two, plant a garden. Number three, sing a song. I do that a lot, and I'm still kind of stressed. Number four, feed birds and squirrels. And number five, walk a maze. Okay? What's interesting about these five, and if you can imagine what these five were, just imagine what the other 65 looked like on this list. Every single one, including these five and most of the rest of them too, it's all diversion. It's all about distraction, right? Like each one of these five is is all about diverting your attention away from the real problem or the real issue. That's what it's about. Blowing bubbles is not going to solve your problem. I hate to break it to you. It'll distract you for about 20 seconds, but it doesn't solve the problem. These five things are the equivalent of, like, you turning up the TV because so, and to, like, drown out your child crying, right? Like, that, that's what it is. Or it's the equivalent of turning up the radio so loud to a song in the car that you can't possibly think about anything else that's bothering you. That's what these things are. It's all about distraction. And they give the idea of, like, a solution, but it's not. It's all about medication by distraction is all it is. 
when these doctors tell you to do these sorts of things to reduce your stress and they like hand you a pamphlet and say, hey, you should participate in walking a maze every week. You should also make time for 30 minutes to walk to the park and feed you some birds, right? Like all it is is medication by distraction. That's all. It's, it's not attacking the root of the problem. And sometimes these strategies don't even pretend to. Right? Like, I don't understand how blowing bubbles can give me a solution to my problem. I, I, just, I just don't see it. And if, if we're being honest here, if you think that singing a song or feeding some squirrels are going to cure the things that torment you on a daily basis, you might be in more trouble than you think you are. If you seriously think that walking a maze or planting a garden will cure you of all your personal demoralizing sin, you might need more help than you think. Because at the end of the day, it's not. A song may, may cover you for a little bit to, to make you not think about it, but it is never, ever going to be a solution to your problem. A squirrel, you know, the, the saying, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, right? Like, like a squirrel may find a nut every now and then, but it is never going to find you the freedom from sin that you crave and that is your cure. It's never going to be able to find that for you. It's all distraction. The care that you really need is not something to be unlocked within you by, you know, distracting you and helping you, you know, focus on the inside. And somehow this is just going to come up out of you and all of a sudden you're going to be cured of all your sin. That's not what this is about. There is, there is nothing that is inside of you personally that you can do all by yourself to cure you of your sin and your guilt and your shame, and all of that sort of stuff. It's not going to happen, no matter how many of these five things you do on a daily basis. I don't care if you do all five of these every day for, you know, forever. It's not going to solve your problem. The only thing that is going to solve our problem is the healing, forgiveness, and compassion of a person or a God who is bigger than all of your problems. That is the only thing that is going to cure the, the stress and take that stress away from you that you have is somebody who's bigger than your stress. Because if you're struggling with that sort of thing and you're struggling with taking care of yourself and you're struggling with making time for yourself, you can't fix it by yourself. The only person who can is somebody who's bigger than that, and that's God. And that's what we've got to focus on. He is bigger and greater than anything you can imagine and he is the only person who can take that from and who can take all of that burden off of you and give you the freedom that you crave. These distractions aren't going to do it. So I want to take the, the, the remainder of our time here and, and I want to really look at why it's important. Why is self-care important and why does the Bible talk about it so much and why am I up here talking about it so much? I am a firm believer in taking care of yourself is one of the biggest things you can do, not only for, for you, but for God as well. We call it self-care, but we're really doing it for a reason. We're doing it for ourselves, but we're also doing it for God, right? And, and here's why. Let's look at Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Um, I'm going to be all over the place today, so um, we have it on the screens in case you can't keep up. Um, you know, if you've, you've been here two weeks, I move kind of fast. Um, so Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
Now, when you give someone a gift, all right, let, let's say you're giving someone a gift, you don't just give that person a gift that has no thought in it, right? Like if you're giving somebody you truly love, like a spouse or a significant other or a brother or a sister or, you know, anybody who means something to you, um, you, you put a lot of thought and effort into that gift. You want it to be absolutely perfect, right? Like that, that's what, it, you want it to be special. My wife, uh, Brittany, is, is not just because she's in the room and, I, and you know, I want to you know, talk about her, but she seriously is the, the best example I have of giving meaningful and thoughtful gifts. Um, over the, the years, since, not even since we've been married, but even since we've been dating, like some of the gifts and some of the creativity and, and the meaning behind the gifts that she's given me, I'm just like blown away. I'm like, what? Like I would never think to do something like that to give somebody. Because I, ju- I just don't have that sort of, um, j- just that desire to, 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 to come up with something so perfect, right? And she knows exactly what to do. You know, she could just buy me a gift card and write happy anniversary on it and give it to me and say, hey, here you go, right? But she doesn't do that. She takes extra time and thought to make sure it's the perfect gift and make something that is going to be special and bless me. She doesn't give me just a gift card that has no thought. She doesn't give me something that's broken, something that's faded, something that's used, right? She gives me the best that she possibly can. When Jesus calls us in in verse 37 um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and and, and all your soul, he's calling us to love him and basically offer ourselves as a gift to, to God, right? He's calling us to basically offer ourselves as a gift, our heart, our soul, and our mind, to, to our Father, to our Heavenly Father, to God. Well, if we're, giving a, if we're giving ourselves as a gift to God, don't we want that to be perfect? Don't we want that to be the best possible gift we can give? If that's the case, then we have to take care of ourselves because we are a gift to God. In order to, to love God with all your heart, your heart's got to be right. To love God with all of your soul and all of your mind, your mind's got to be right. It's kind of hard to give God all of your mind if you're constantly worried about money or constantly worried about relationships or constantly worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't give God your whole heart or your whole mind or your whole soul if you're constantly worried about other stuff. And we're, we're called to give God everything that we have, but we can't do that if we're keeping pieces of it for ourselves. Like, oh, God, yeah, you can have this piece, but I'm going to hang on to this because it concerns me. Or, yeah, God, you can have this part of me. You can have, like, my soul, um, but I want to hang on to my mind for a little while because I like to, to think about things, which I don't want to give to you, right? Or, you know, God, um, you, you can have my mind, you can have my soul, but I want to keep my heart because I got to give that to, to, you know, somebody on earth later. So I, I don't want you to have all that. I'll give you half, and then, you know, I'm going to keep the other half for myself, right? Like, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to give him all of it with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. We can only do that if we're taking care of ourselves. We can only do that if we're con- making sure that we're taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally like we talked about. Now, that's great and all, but how do we do it, right? What are some practical ways that we can, you know, t- take care of our body? You, I, you know, you, you're saying to me, you know, well, you've been up here telling me, don't feed birds, you know, don't feed squirrels, don't take a walk, that's not going to help. Give give me some practical applications to how I can make this happen. Luckily for you, the Bible has a lot, 
Um, I can only cover so many, um, and there's a lot more in here that I wanted to fit, but that I couldn't because I'm already probably going to go over time. Um, but just know that there's a lot more out there, and if you want more after this, please let me know. I'll be more than happy to give you some. But we're going to start at the very beginning. Like, when I mean the very beginning, I mean the very beginning. We're going to start in Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 2. Here is the first practical way that you can take care of your body. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Jesus created the universe, or God created the universe, created everything, created, you know, in six days, he created everything. And then what did he do? He didn't go out and party to celebrate. He didn't say, okay, that's done. Check that off our list. What's next on my to-do list? And then immediately get started. Mm -mm. He rested. If the creator of the universe has to rest, it's probably a pretty good indication that you need to rest as well. If God, who created absolutely everything, up, up, you know, up in heaven and up in the sky, and he looked down and he created everything with just like, a, you know, like a snap and bam, there it was, right? If, if that person, if that God has to rest, so do I. So do you. Because resting helps you recharge and helps you refocus, right? Now, God, let's be honest, God probably didn't have to rest because he's God. He can do whatever he wants, but he did to give us an example of how we are supposed to live our lives. Not only did he rest, he doubled down. Because in the next couple of verses after that, he says, you know what? Not only am I going to rest on the seventh day, but I'm going to, like, make it holy, right? Like, I'm going to call it holy, call it the Sabbath, and it's going to be a commandment. He doubled down on the importance of resting. It's not just, like, a suggestion of, hey, you know, you should rest every once in a while. No, it, it's supposed to be a holy time for you to stop and refocus and recharge. It's a commandment, right? Keep the Sabbath day holy. That's what it's all about, is resting. God is giving us this biblical model of what it is that we're supposed to do. There is no way that we can fully serve God to our full potential if we're physically tired all the time. It just doesn't happen. I know when I get physically tired, I get really cranky, right? And I like snap on my little sixth grade kids all the time. I'm like, oh, my bad, I'm just tired, sorry right? It's not their fault. I'm just cranky. I'm ill, right? Or I get up and I'm like weak and I'm like dragging around like this. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be late to work because I can't find the energy to get ready because I stayed up too late playing, you know, NBA or something, right? Like playing basketball game or watching something, right? I felt, I, I felt pretty bad because I was, you know, I, as I was preparing for this, I was like looking over my notes last night and you know, of course, it was late. I was watching NASCAR, and I was like, oh, I'm telling people to rest, and here I am up late watching NASCAR, so I should probably go to bed. Um, but I, I do the same thing, right? Like, we need to make sure that we stop and get physically recharged. Because drinking, um, you know, drinking those energy drinks or coffee is great, but it's not ever going to help you fully recover what your body is missing until you rest. It might, you know, help speed up a little bit. It might help speed up the process, but, you know, in, until you fully rest, you're not going to get that full sort of um, uh, refocusing that, that sleeping does. I mean, sleeping is the best thing you can do for your body, um, which is why it, it, it's, su it's such a big deal and why God gives it to us here. This, the other thing about this is, you know, you shouldn't ever 
let me, let me say it this way. I think a lot of people feel guilty, especially in today's f- such fast-paced society. I think we feel guilty for stopping for a second. Like, I think people kind of, we kind of make it seem that, like, you know what, we should always be on the go doing something. Any spare second we have, we should be doing something because that's what our society does, right? Like, we think of, you know, cities like New York City or, like, cities that never, the city that never sleeps, right? Because somebody is always going and doing something. And it's almost like we feel guilty for, for taking a minute to stop. We feel guilty for, you know, not serving at church because we've worked you know, 10 hours of overtime this week, and we're just tired. We feel guilty of not volunteering for, you know, community service or a community event because, you know, we've been having to, you know, work two jobs or whatever, and we're just tired. We feel guilty for it. But you have got to make that time to rest, whatever that looks like, um, because it is so, so important. Um, speaking of rest, let, let's look at another verse um, about rest. This is Matthew 11. Uh, it's 28 through 30. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This verse mentions rest. He says, you know, in me you will find rest. But what I love about this as well is God is basically giving us permission to to have burdens, right? Like he's giving us permission. He says, hey, look, I know you're going to be carrying some heavy weights, like, hey, I know you're going to struggle sometimes, but that's what I'm here for, right? I think a lot of times, again, as Christians, we feel guilty or we feel bad for, you know, we say, we shouldn't have this weight that I feel. Like, like I feel guilty or I, I'm carrying this baggage behind me, and I, just, I feel like I shouldn't. God says right here, look, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. He knows there are times when we're going to feel burdened. He knows there's times when we're going to be tired. He just wants you to come to him. That's what he's there for. You know, we sing all the time about, you know, how God is awesome and mighty and powerful and, you know, strong and he's our rock. But how are we going to know that unless we do what he tells us to do and come to him and give us that rest, right? Like if we never needed him to do that for us or we never let him do that for us, how can we sing these songs about him? And it's so important that we do this because we are taking what God says and we are doing it to the best of our ability in order to, to do things for, for him, right? Because that's what we're here for. We're here to serve God to the best of our ability. And we can't do that when we don't come to him for rest and let him take off some of this that, you know, that, that we need. We think, oh, well, you know, God doesn't want my burdens or I'm not supposed to have burdens as a Christian. So I'm going to go walk around the park and feed some squirrels and maybe that will lift my burden so God won't be upset with me. You know, no, that, that's not what God says. That's not what this is about. I think the best example that I can give you of rest is uh, found in Luke 5, 13 through 16. And I'm using Jesus as an example. I think this is the best example of rest that I can give you. Um, so let's just read a little bit. It says in uh, verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left this man. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
even Jesus, the one, the only perfect person to ever walk the earth, took time for himself and stopped and rested and recharged and refocused and prayed. You know, you guys know me because I'm a social studies teacher. I'm a, I'm a sucker for context, right? Like I love looking at the backstory of all these stories in order to figure out why this verse is so important. Because we can just read that. We can say, yeah, you know, it's important. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But you guys have to understand, this is in the middle of when he is speaking to crowds of people. People are constantly coming up to him day after day, hour after hour. That's why he tells this man at the very beginning, he says, look, don't tell anybody. Like, don't go around spreading this, which I find to be very weird that Jesus didn't want that to be spread, right? Because that's a, that was his whole goal, was to spread the good news. But in this one instance, he said, hey, don't go tell anybody. Just go to the temple, go to the priest, and, and do your thing, right? Of course, the guy told somebody, if I got healed of my, you know, chronic disease, I would go tell everybody, even if I was told not to, because I'm just in awe. But Jesus tells this man specifically, hey, look, don't go tell anybody. I'm tired. People are constantly coming up to me. People are constantly having me heal their sickness, and that's great. But look, I need time to stop and withdraw and refocus and recharge. Even Jesus needed to, and he was perfect. He was the son of God, and even he needed to rest. Even he had to tell people no, right? I think a lot of times as Christians, we feel guilty about telling people no. Sometimes you have to tell people no to do what's best for yourself. Jesus knew that. He said, you know what? No, everybody needs that alone time. He withdrew to lonely places. That's the key word too, lonely places. He went off by himself. Don't ever feel guilty about taking time for just you and yourself. Yeah, you know, getting away from the kids with your significant other, that's great and all, but you also need time for yourself. You know, go, go to a coffee shop by yourself and, and have coffee and just relax. Or, you know, go take a walk around the park and just, just relax and breathe in the fresh air. Don't ever feel guilty about doing something by yourself for yourself. That's the best thing you can do. Um, I heard one time, um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like, you can't, um, how do you expect to love anyone else when you can't love yourself first? Or how can you ever expect to take care of someone else if you can't take care of yourself first? And that's so true. We've got to understand that we've got to be able to take care of ourselves before we can start taking care of the needs of other people. Even Jesus knew that. Jesus said, don't, don't tell anybody, I'm tired. I've got to go and get away, and I've got to go do something for myself. This last um, set of verses is where I want to spend the rest of our time here. It's, uh, it's a lot of verses, um, so kind of hang with me here. But it's in Matthew again, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And do not worry about clothes. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes, clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is one of my favorite passages of the Bible, especially even just that last one right there in verse 34. This is basically Jesus and God calling us out. That's basically what this is. He's saying, the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat tomorrow, and yet I take care of them. So are you not more valuable than them? Then why in the world are you worrying what's going to happen tomorrow? I take care of the birds. Surely to goodness I'll take care of you. And then he calls you out and says, you have little faith, right? Do you not have faith that I can sustain you and that I can take care of you? If I make, like if I dress the, the grass, which is here today and gone tomorrow, of course I'm going to take care of your needs. I know what you need. The pagans are basically is the biblical example of non-believers, basically. He says the non-believers are the ones who chase after everything. Why are you doing the same thing that they are? Why are you worrying about where your next meal is going to come from or how much money you have in your bank account tomorrow or, you know, what kind of job you have or, or you, like, why are you worrying about anything? Pagans do that. Non-believers chase after that. I'm your heavenly father. I take care of you. I know what you need. So why are you concerned? You of little faith, right? Now, I'll be honest with you here. Um, worrying and, and stress, or worrying and anxiousness are the leading causes of stress, um, according to um, a, a bunch of different research about stress. Worrying and anxiousness, um, whether whatever it is that you're worrying about or whatever you're feeling anxious about, those are the leading causes of stress in people because it takes up so much of your mind capacity, right, to, like, sit there and constantly worry about something. Because when you worry, you basically build up all of these scenarios in your head that could possibly happen, and then they end up, none of them happen, so then you wasted all of that time because it didn't happen, and then you wasted not only the day, but you also wasted your mental capacity, right, because you've been so upset about it. Or sometimes we think something's going to happen, and we're building it up in our head, and we start, like, having an emotional breakdown because we think something's going to happen tomorrow, and then oh, no, it didn't, how nice. And then we look back and like, man, I wasted yesterday just having an emotional breakdown because of something that didn't even happen. Now, again, I'll be honest, this, that is sort of unfamiliar, unfamiliar to me. I am uh, not a worrier. I am not an anxious person. I don't, I, that is just not how I'm built. I'm very much laid back, um, kind of take life as it comes kind of guy. I, I'm not concerned about anything, which I probably should be at some point. Um, which is why Brittany um, is, is so good to balance me out, right? Um, because she, um, she thinks about those things that I would never in a million years think about. She asks me all the time, which is why she handles the money, and I sure as heck do not, because I would not budget or plan even close to accordingly, because she's like, well, what are we going to do next week? And I'm like, that's next week. Why are we, why are we concerned about it now, right? She's like, because you have to have a plan in place. I'm like, yeah, I get that, but like, why? I just don't get it. I don't worry, I, I, just, I just don't, it, it almost comes across as like not caring, and, and it's not that I don't care, it's just that I'm not concerned about it. One of the most hilarious things when I look back on it now um, is when Brittany and I first started dating, or we had been dating for a little while, um, 
I was sitting down having a conversation in like the living room with like her parents, her, her mom and dad were in the room and um, she, her mom was talking about something and I was like, no, I would, you know, don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, this will happen. And then Brittany was like, well, what about this? And I was like, why are we concerned about that? And I was like, it's not, it's not a big deal. It'll be okay. And then I go home and then Brittany sends me this text message and she's like, you will never believe what your mom just said about you when you left. I was like, great. What? And she goes, man. Jackson just doesn't care about anything, does he? And I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. I don't want your mom to think that I don't care. It's just that I just, I just don't have that worrying or anxious bone in my body. And Brittany's told me, we were talking about this yesterday at uh, breakfast, and she said, well, you're not, you're not like worrying comes off as not caring. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Um, but, you know, her, you know, we got married, so obviously her parents love me now, which is nice. Um, and they kind of understand where, where I'm coming from. Um, but... We, we can't worry or we can't stress about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own, right? Like, and tomorrow is a totally separate thing. We can't worry about that. You only have so much, like, emotional energy a day. Why do we waste it on things that don't matter? Like, thinking about tomorrow. No amount of guilt that you feel can change the past. And no amount of worry that you have can affect your future. So why do we spend so much time on it? Why do we waste so much time when, the, for, for one, the past is the past. And we, there's no way we're going to know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have to have faith and trust in God. And that's what he said. He said, you have little faith. You have little faith, right? The number one cause of stress is worry and being anxious about stuff that doesn't matter. About stuff that doesn't matter. We're too busy wrapped up in our own thoughts. We're too busy wrapped up thinking worst case scenarios here um, that, that we lose sight of the real picture, which is God. We lose sight of the real um, sort of goal here, which is to, to be an offering and to be a perfect gift for God. As we wrap up and as the, as the band can come up, um, I just, I want to encourage you here that there has got to be some sort of self-care that happens to you. I cannot stress that enough. You have got to take care of yourself, whatever that looks like. For me, it, lo- it might look a little different, obviously, than for, for Brittany, for my wife, right? Because I, I'm not the worrier or stressor, but she is. So she might have to do some things that I may not have to do. And you might have to do something that's different than me. Maybe you are a worrier and are anxious all the time. And if that's you, you just, you gotta dig deep and say, God, you know what? I have faith in you. You take care of the birds. You take care of the grass. I don't need to chase after that stuff anymore because I know you know what I need. I thought that was thunder. I was like, oh, shoot. We're about to die. All right. Um, so speaking of being anxious, right, we could all get picked up by a tornado. Um, anyway, it happens. Um, what, what better place, though, right? Anyway, no, 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 let's, let's not go there. All right, so anyway, there has got to be some sort of self-care that, that you do, whether it's even just resting and taking time for yourself is one of the easiest things you can do. It's just like 30 minutes before bed, 30 minutes each night before you go to bed, just, you know, Maybe take a shower and just say, and just relax. 
or just, you know, read a book or something, or, you know, just curl up under a blanket and, ju- and, just, and just pray, right? It's got to be something. There are so many more examples of self-care in the Bible, of different people, um, more stories, right? And obviously, I don't have time to share them with you because I'm already over time, but there are so many stories of why it's important to take care of yourself. And don't lose, the, don't lose the, the whole goal here. The reason is because we are a gift to God, and we want that gift to be as perfect as possible. If I strive to give Brittany, who is my wife, the most perfect gift I possibly can, then why am I not taking the time to give myself as a gift to my creator? And we don't think about that. We, we don't realize that that we are a gift to God. God created us to worship him and be a gift back to him, but we don't take enough time to say, you know what, I wanna be perfect for you, God. And the crazy part is, is that God loves us anyway, right? Like he knows that we're not gonna be the perfect gift that he wants us to be, but we try. And that's the part I don't want you to lose here. We have got to at least try to be in that image of God. And we have to at least try to do the best we can to be the best version of ourselves. Because only then will we be able to do the work that God wants us to do, is when we are the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. And the best version of yourself may look different for each one of you, right? Depending on where you're at in life, maybe the best version of yourself is only 75% of your full self because that's all the energy that you have to give right now because you're just tired and broken and hurting. And that's okay. We all have seasons like that. But if we don't try and we don't continue to work at it, then we're not following the image of what God wants. We're not following that picture of what God wants for our lives. But the good news is he loves us anyway, like I just mentioned. He loves us so much unconditionally that he was willing to send his son who was perfect because he knew we could never be. He knew we could never be perfect. So he sent his perfect and only son to die for us in our place. That's how much he loved us. Because he knew no matter how hard we tried, it didn't matter. He loves you. And he is the only one who can relieve that burden from you. He is the only one who can leave that stress from you to take care of yourself. If you've been here and you've been being medicated by distracting to try to help take care of yourself and you realize it's not working, I have good news for you. It is God and God alone who can relieve that from you because he loves you. And if you're sitting here and you're saying, Jackson, I've just been feeding, I've just been feeding the squirrels and you know, walking around a maze to try to help my life and that's not working. I wanna try this God thing. I wanna try, I'm, I'm tired of digging within myself I wanna get God to come help me and I need God to take care of all of the fears and anxiety and restlessness and anxiousness and and, and stress that I feel. Please, I need God. If that's you, come talk to me, come talk to Pastor Frank, come talk to somebody after this service. Um, The band is gonna play a song in a minute and if, if that is you, come, I'll, I'll be somewhere around here. Come find me, Pastor Frank will be in the front. Just, just come find somebody to talk about it. Maybe you, maybe you already are Christian and you're saying, yeah, Jackson, you know what, I knew that and I've not been doing that. I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying to reduce the, the stress and I've been trying to relieve the burden on my own, but I know I, I know I need to get back to God. If that's you, pray with somebody. Come play with Pastor Frank. Come, this altar is open. 
I know, you know, it's, it's kind of hard on the concrete floor, but the altar is open or just pray at your seat. Take this time to reflect and say, you know what, God, you loved me so much that you gave your perfect son for me. Now I wanna try my best to be the perfect gift and offering for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us, God. Just the ability to be able to gather together and worship you. God, I pray that we'll take time for ourselves. God, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to, to, to take time, that, to take that time that we need to be able to be our best self. God, we got so much other stuff going on. Life is moving at 100 miles an hour. And there's really no time for us to stop for a minute and pause and say, God, I need you. God, make me be better, not just for myself, God, but I wanna be the perfect sacrifice and offering and gift for you, my creator. God, I pray for everybody in this room that they have that conversation with you, that they say, you know what, God, I haven't been doing my best. I haven't been my best self. God, I pray that you, that you speak to them and speak into them and say, hey, I'm here for you, I love you. Please let me take care of you. Let me help you be the best you can be. And God, if there's somebody in this room who doesn't know that, if there's somebody in this room who, who is hurting and they've been trying everything else except you, God, I pray that you speak to them and you say, look, you need me. And if that's you in this room, I pray that you'll be open to that. I pray that you'll be open to receiving God's love, receiving God's spirit, because he loves you so much. As the band plays, I pray that you take time, this time for yourself, and get right with God. Whatever that looks like, whether it's talking to somebody, praying with your seat, praying with your spouse, praying with your children, praying at the altar, whatever that looks like, take this time for you and for God. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.